Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Jason Black Power Sandals. We're on the Duke Knowledge Radio. The Talk Shoe Show. This is your host, Knowledge Born. Uh, supposed to have a good show today entitled The Militarization of the Black Community. Arm Yourself or Harm Yourself. We're going to be joined by uh, King Samir and uh, Minister Muhammad. We're going to go ahead and get started. Brother King Samir, are you on? See any of the callers here. Hello? Please. Please, God. I was just letting you know that, uh, this, this, you know, that I wasn't who you were looking for. I just called in to check the guys out tonight. Okay. So, look, yeah, I don't see. I don't see any. Uh, I don't see any of the callers. I was trying to wait for King Samir to get oh, on the line. Funny man, I'm just still the game, bro. Well, let me get your take on the situation. Uh, on the question that's asked, since you were on the line. Can you introduce yourself to the family and for the purposes of the recording? Hello? Yeah. Well, are you speaking to me, God? Yeah, God. Oh, man. Oh, man, I'm Brother James from Chicago, God. You know, I just, um, I checked out the first episode of the show last night, and I was happy to see on the Facebook you had changed the date to another show today. And I was just calling checking to see how the guys was building, man. Okay. So how you feel, uh, especially being in Chicago, uh, you know, with the negative press and all the stimuli that's associated with Chicago, uh, as far as the, the militarization, do you see do you see it as vital or something viable for us in the black community as a whole? Oh, uh, no, sir, brother. 
No, sir. No, sir. I see it as them trying to fill their pockets, man. I feel like they made all these concentration camps in these uh, places, you know, to lock us up. And and it's, and it's, and it might be taking a little bit longer than, than, than the investors um, was hoping for. I haven't heard that they called some of these little small towns and cities and go off and, uh, and raise all types of hell with the uh, city officials or county officials because they're not locking us up fast enough. So, no, nah, no, nah, bro, I'm definitely not with that. And, 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 and I know it's just a, it's about controlling us and, um, and, um, and, and you know, continue doing what they're doing to us as black males. Cause, you know, primarily we're the ones they hoping to fill up in those camps. But uh, but no, definitely, man. Then the way they they stirring up these race tensions, me, me and the brother, man, just building on how they man on how they locked that brother up down there shooting that white cop. It just looked like a material candidate or something they set up to foster the you know the the fan the flames on the race tension. Just like the um the incident before that with the uh you know, just seemed like a Manchurian candidate with the news reporter guy who shot his two coworkers, you know, a year later right. and all that. Man just seemed too right. set up. It seemed like we you know, we watching this movie. That's why I turn in the shows like this. I'm trying to see what the gods did and all, man, see what's next and what we're gonna do, you know, to change reality, man. Because they doing their job, so we just gotta do right. ours, man. Yes, sir. Right. Man, 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 who, who, who am I speaking with, God? Because I'm walking outside and and and, and I didn't hear your introduction. You know, I didn't hear your voice. I mean, your name. This knowledge is born. This is the oh, host of the show. Yes, sir, God. That's that's what I was hoping. For. Man, I, man, God, I, I think I caught you one time before on another show. So salute to you, much respect, God, and I'm glad you started the program. Well, we appreciate it. Just. Striving to build a platform that's necessary for the people. It's a lot of platforms out there, uh, especially for this geographical location that I'm in. We're in the Pacific Northwest over here, so uh, it's, it's not a lot of mediums, but there are some positive mediums, and the goal is to tap into all of those mediums so everyone's voice can be heard and we can support one another uh, in our endeavors. Yes, you know, the reason for this, for this call today is to really take a look at uh, what's happening around us. What's happening around us is uh, strategic, military, tactical-type movements. So are we going to allow these things to get full swing to the point where we where we flanked on all of our points, or are we going to uh, take some initiative and start recognizing and becoming aware or conscious of what's going on around us and start planning accordingly? I'm saying arm yourself or harm yourself. Arm yourself with some information arm yourself uh, with health, diet, fitness, spirituality, God consciousness, and also a rifle. I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm definitely not saying leave your rifle at home. You know, if you got your Bible, pick up your Bible and your rifle because they plan for keeps out here. Uh, and you, your strongest weapon is your mind. So where your mind is and what you give your attention to and what you give credence to, especially in this day and time with consciousness hitting the planet, in a manner in which it is, is definitely uh, detrimental or counterproductive to give your attention or energy to something uh, that's not conducive to life. Because we deal with life, and life creates life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, God. I, I heard a build on something similar to that. that, that was, um, Brother Redfield was talking about we need to stop saying terms like white supremacy and all that because, you know, we... 
we we we, um, we lending our energy to that to that um to that false or or you know to that false reality. You know, we lending our energy to ain't no white supremacy. You know, ain't no white supremacy over us or nothing like that. Yeah. And then just I, I was just saying, just as far as our duty as, as men, you know, they done kind of made it through the storm, and they kind of got their third eye open to see what's going on or how they're trying to put it down. Man, the way the kids got the got the right energy at the right time, but but a lot of it just misguided. So I feel like that's that's what we can avoid that for stepping in the middle of. Of, of, of the situation that's being created by the rulers and and that natural reaction that our young soldiers doing that they want them to do though they leading them to that you know them them big plants uh you know to being locked up or or or, or dead you know or, or or them doing mass deaths you know they want to snap so they could bring the tanks down the street and um and then I was that's and, right. Uh, and start the curfews and everything. Checkpoints because here in Chicago, they started a couple of years ago where they tore down all the expressways and rebuilt them with steel, so that the planes and the tanks could ride down the expressways, make it shut off the suburbs from the city, and they, and they've been moving all the black people and, and low income housing people out of the city into the suburbs, and now they make it where you're not gonna be able to get back in. It's 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 it's, it's just and we watching it roll out. That's why I just keep on saying. And then you know that these kids got the right energy and they not going, but it's misguided. It's just I just feel like that's the void that I need to fill. And brothers like myself, from like say like twenty five to fifty or thirty to fifty, need to step in between those young soldiers who got the spirit and, and, and who gonna do most of the fighting. So it don't be wasted. Lives don't be wasted. Lives don't be going to jail. You know we wasting bond money, and it's just and, and we not getting nothing done. It's not effective. You know, just don't want to waste. It's like we watch this movie roll out, but what are we gonna do about it? You know what I mean? Right. Now, right. Like, right. you know, we see it coming, so let's let, let, let let's take advantage of it. What's up, everybody? Excuse the noise back down. Come on, I'm actually walking down the street. We going over there now, in, in the hood in Chicago, over east by the lake. Just um, resolve a conflict now, bro. You know the um one of the guys, little, little guys around here, just got out of jail. I've been hearing a lot of he say and she say, and we just going over there to put the two people together because there's been a lot of he say she say, but they haven't been in, been in each other's face. So since we got that type of um, respect for both of them, we're gonna play our part and put the party together and try to squash the little because it's serious. Cause both of the people that's that's involved. Got a lot of love for both of them, and if it go down, it's gonna be a lot of people getting, you know, a lot of people putting in work and a lot of energy. Yeah. So we trying to, you know, just me and God over here walking now. That's what I'm saying about the blessed brothers who who was able to make it through all the traps that they set for us, and we. I'm 41 myself, God, and um, right. and, and 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 I see it, and I, I see them filling our babies up this concentration camp, man. There'd be a whole another generation or two gone. Before we get another chance, man, this is real. It's I, I, man. They have all these tanks and stuff on the side of the expressways in Chicago, man. As soon as you try to leave, out to go to the 
to, to go to Indiana or go to Michigan or Detroit, as soon as you leave out the state, you see right on the outside of the uh, skirts of the state, uh, Army tanks and all this military equipment, man. It's like they're not hiding it. And so if you're a little conscious, you can see it. I don't know, bro. Um, but it's just a little, it's, it's a little bit we could do. That's why I said I love the show, man, because it's draining out here dealing with the kids every day. And, and they listen, some of them don't, then some of them tough. You know I mean? it, it get draining. So when you hear shows like this and hear other brothers building it and then the struggle with it, you know, it give you another different outlook and refresh you, feel recharged, you know. Like the show last night was off the chain. I love Brother uh, Red Pill explanation about consciousness, man. I love uh, Brother Sanetta called in, you know, when he was saying how we got to make consciousness, uh, you know, um, Make money for us, like you got to make it worth something, man. I was beautiful last night. Man. I, was, I liked it a lot. I was inspired. That's why I was happy to see you had another show going on today. Okay. Uh, King Smith, you on the line? Black Power. Black Power to you, King. What's Ladies happening? and gentlemen, talk show family. It's my honor and pleasure to introduce uh, a general a warrior, a scholar, and a goddamn cracker killer. <laughs> it's my honor and pleasure to introduce the, one of the guests for this evening, none other than my brother, my comrade, my partner, King Samir. How you doing, brother? I'm black and I'm strong. I'm hated by the white man. That's right. I'm honored by that. So I'm good. Anytime a cracker hates my guts, I'm good. All right. So we're dealing with this topic at hand. I picked this particular topic. I had you in mind as soon as we were going over this topic here. Yes, sir. The the militarization of the black community. Uh, Mm. Is it it a viable option? Uh, Is it something that we need to be looking into? you know, how are these things accomplished? So I, I, I just ask you the first question, you know, uh, how do you see uh, this the militarization, the terminology, militarization of the black community? Let me just go from there. Well, let me open up saying with this, I'm honored to be on this call. I'm honored to be a student of some of the most powerful black men and women that we have had among us in our midst. I'm honored, man, to be a living legacy of liberation and revolution. I want to say, Hotep, Salaam Alaikum, peace to the gods and the earths and all of the wonderful salutations of greetings of peace to everyone. Let's get down to business. (laughs) The militarization of the black community. Well, we can look at this from two different perspectives, family. We can look at it from the black perspective and you know we're going to have to look at it from the white perspective. The black perspective 
you know, I'm, I'm going to always deal with black first. The black perspective of the militarization of the black community is very necessary. I used to do a show called the King Samir Black Survival Show. And the survival show was basically giving out strategies, tactics, information, and just basic prepared and ready, uh, preparedness and readiness for somewhat this very conversation. Without a military, you have no nation. I don't give a damn. Without a military, without a military, without a military, you have no nation. I don't give a damn what your ideology is. I don't give a damn what your political structure is. Don't give a damn what your economic structure is. Without a military to protect the nation, to protect the, the politics of that nation, to protect the economics of that nation, and damn it, I'm going to take it even further, to protect the women and the children of that nation, you have no nation. Point blank, period. Don't care how many guns you got. Don't care how many bullets you got. Don't care how many uh, survival books you got. Damn it, if you don't have a military to protect your nation, you don't have a nation. Your nation starts in your home, family. I'm going to say that again. Your nation starts in your home. So if you at home watching goddamn Atlanta Wives all day, <laughs> watching Empire all goddamn day, and all these cooning and buffooning shows all damn day, guaranteed you will be a slave to your enemy. We got to start militarizing our homes because if you can't protect your women and your children in your own home. Kill your damn self. And I'm just going to make it plain to you. Kill yourself. Because at the end of the night, brothers and sisters on this line, if your woman looks at you as a sissy, as a faggot, as a punk, as a weak-ass, cowardly man, you know you ain't getting no nookie that night, and you know damn well you ain't going to never get no respect from that black woman as long as you continue kowtowing and buck dancing for white supremacy. So we got to start militarizing our women and our children. What do I mean by that? How are you? So, if we cannot protect our family, then we can't say we have a family. Because the family, first and foremost, has to be respected and protected. If you are not willing to die for your black woman, black man, you don't need a black woman. Sisters, if you are not ready to die, and kill, let me add, and kill for your black man, you don't need a goddamn black man. 
If we are not ready to give our lives for our children, man, then how can we children? How can we expect our children to respect us? The problem of today is, brothers and sisters, we have left nothing for our past generations. I'm 44 years old, and I know I don't look it, but (laughs) if we have left nothing for our past generations of children coming up amongst us, then how can we say we are the leaders of today? How could we utter out of our mouths that we are revolutionaries? The elders in my time coming up left nothing for us but homosexuality. They left us a sucker for love for white supremacy. So now we have to fight a double fight. We got to fight the fact that we're coming up out of a generation that left us nothing, and now we have to deal with the very fact that we have to work harder for a generation coming behind us. So militarization is of great extreme importance because we're now living in a race war. And I know some of y'all may think, oh, we're not in no damn race war. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Anytime a pig shoots a black man or a black woman, goes to court, and gets a five-day suspension, if that, damn it, we at war. If you have not seen clearly today that every single day there's someone black in this country being murdered by someone white, damn it, that's a race war. So, brothers, instead of just sitting around with your woman, telling her how beautiful she is all damn day, it's time to teach and train that woman how to fire two and three different types of weapons, how to protect the home when you're not at home, how to set up booby traps in the home. And I'm going to take it a step further, damn it, teach her how to stab a cracker in his motherfucking neck if necessary. But some of us are just too damn soft. So we start kowtowing and buck dancing. We start appeasing to our women who actually wants to take you out of the state of manhood that you're in. Why? Because your woman ain't conscious, for one. And it sickens me to see some of these brothers who claim to be these conscious elders and conscious generals with unconscious-ass women, man. And on top of that, you're not even teaching these unconscious women how to become conscious. So let's just stop the bullshit and realize that this is war. And in war, there are going to be casualties. Your woman might become a damn casualty. Sisters, your man might become a damn casualty. Your child might become a damn casualty. But how would that make you feel knowing that you did nothing to at least help train your family, to at least help survive a couple of extra days? Nobody's guaranteed to live in war, man. Let's just be real. No one is guaranteed to live in war. 
King Samir could be the first one to get a bullet in my damn head for this revolutionary struggle. But guess what? Guaranteed it's going to be an honor. Because when I go, I'm taking a bunch of dead-ass pecker woods with me. So we got to stop the bullshit. We must get down to training regiments in our own homes, man. Because if not, you're bullshitting. And I'm going to just be real with you. You're bullshitting. Don't say you all about banging on crackers and, damn it, you ain't even teaching your woman how to fight. At least a few hand blocks and a few punches, damn. Teach your babies how to slap a cracker with the damn baby bottle if necessary. Teach them something. And if you can't even teach your baby how to smack a cracker with a damn baby bottle, what are you in this for? So let's just stop all the bullshitting. Stop all the all, all the all the glamified rhetoric. Because in war there is death and bloodshed, man. I've seen people lose their lives right in front of me for this. Get their damn brains splattered all over the couch, all over the concrete, for the freedom and liberation of black people. So I'll be damned if I let anybody come into my circumference playing with this. You'll get your damn feelings hurt. I have an $800,000 bounty on my damn head by the neo-Nazis and the skinheads. So I ain't got time to play with no damn body. I'm at war every day. I single-handedly upset the regime of white supremacy in North America, man. I ain't got time to play with no damn body. I can't even walk to the damn corner store without a bulletproof vest on. This is how serious this is, man. And once you come into this field of work, I'm going to tell y'all, you will lose your damn life over this. If you're sincere to it. You don't get no damn scholarships. You don't get no awards. Damn it, we barely get a thank you for doing what we do. We get bullets and jail time. And that's the reality of being a revolutionary in this day and time, man. Bullets and jail time. Fortunately enough, I haven't been hit with a bullet yet. (laughs) All praise is due to Allah. But damn it, I stay in jail. I ain't even going to front. I stay in jail. In 2008, from 2008 to 2010, I was locked up literally every single month, no matter where I went. Why? Because I slapped the shit out of a cracker, if necessary, whenever I find it. Real talk. It got to the point, y'all. I told the damn police station, you might as well put my name on the cell because you know I'm coming back. This is real. So we got to stop bullshitting. Militarize your homes. Study emergency preparedness. Learn how to store your food, family. Learn how to store your water properly. Learn how to store your medical kit. Learn, 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 learn how to survive. Because our survival is going to be key to the victory in this war.
God damn it, the white man is not playing with us. But we just sitting back twiddling our damn thumbs and trying to sound super, super intellectual on damn Facebook. Your revolution ain't going no further than goddamn Facebook. The crackers is out here slaughtering us by the thousands. And we still just talking shit on Facebook. There's no more time for goddamn rallying. No more time for goddamn marching. Damn it, it's time to send these fucking devils to their damn graves in self-defense. I'm not advocating anyone on this line to go out here and start attacking white people. Let me make that very clear. But in self-defense, you are to send this cracker straight to the goddamn cemetery. That is your God-given black white. So we need to stop the bullshitting. You need to learn CPR. If you don't know it, you better learn it quickly. Because the person right next to you, hey, may get a bullet. You need to know how to deal with that wound immediately. How are you at war and going to call the goddamn ambulance of your enemy to come heal you? What kind of goddamn sense does that make? The white man is slaughtering us. We are losing this war, family. We're losing. Don't care how you feel about it. God damn it, the reality says we're losing this war. Just as many blacks as I see daily getting slaughtered by pigs, God damn it, it should be just as many crackers getting slaughtered by revolutionaries. What the hell is wrong with us? I know what's wrong with us. We're too goddamn scared of the white man. We talk a good talk, but at the end of the night, y'all ain't ready to really bang on these motherfuckers. So we need to stop the bullshit. We can't even unite on one basic principle without creating the most trivialist of stuff to prevent us from our own damn unity. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, our unity, family, is greater than any atomic bomb. Now, if you know anything about the atomic bomb, that is the absolute most destructive of all. Nuclear bomb is a heavy one. The homo bomb that's been dropped on black America is a heavy one. But this atomic bomb, that's something far greater than all of the bombs. So if the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is saying to us that our unity is greater than the absolute most destructive bomb, what the hell is wrong with us? Why are we constantly worried about who got the longest goddamn dreadlocks? Who's the best vegan? Who been, who wears the, the, the best looking unk around their damn neck? We worry about the most stupidest stuff to keep us from uniting to help us survive this war. The white man's military is organized. Huh? 
don't give a damn what city you're in. When you see the goddamn police, them crackers is organized. The United States Army, Air Force, Marines, and the faggot-ass Navy, they're organized. They have tactics. They have strategies. They got plans on counterplans on top of goddamn counterplans. And guess what? We ain't playing a damn thing. We worried about what happened to somebody's relationship on the damn Internet. So we're killing ourselves. We are aiding in our own death and destruction. So if you can't figure out how to organize, then hell, maybe you need to just sit back and let those who are really about this work Get it in and show you how it's done. I'm not greater than anybody, family. I'm just a small molecule in a very big universe. But my dedication to you, my dedication to us, goes far greater than anything else in my life right now. I sacrifice everything in my life, man for the struggle and liberation of black people, whether you like me or not. I don't give a damn. But I love you more than you hate your own black-ass self. Now, let's move on to the white man. When this cracker comes in, under the plan of Rex 84, King Alfred plan, or the King Alfred Rex 84 plan, this is a maneuver where you either going to do or you're going to get done. Straight up. Let me tell you how these bastards are going to move on us. They're going to move on us, family, from different regions. They're going to move on us in eight-hour intervals. And it's going to start with your local police, then the state police. Then it's going to move on into the military police. Then the infantrymen, the death squads, as they now call them, or the boot squads, depending on where you're at. You got a different name for them, but guess what? These crackers all got the same goddamn job. They got the same job. Their job is to remove black people out of white America. You think FEMA is stockpiling uh, caskets just to look good? You think FEMA is doing what they do just to get a couple extra dollars? You crazy as hell if you think these crackers are not coming in to take our damn heads off. And we look foolish as hell trying to defend them. They're going to move on eight-hour intervals, central region, western region, eastern region, Pacific region, northeast Pacific region. Whatever region you're in, they're coming to get your ass. So we got to start locking down just the basis of our homes and then start working through our communities 
block by block by block by block. It's not going to happen overnight, family. Let's just be real. It's not going to happen overnight. But damn, if we're not even making the effort, if we're not even making the sacrifice, then we lost already. Based on the fact that we still cannot unite because such and such is a Hebrew Israelite. This brother or sister is a Sunni Muslim. This brother or sister is from the nation of Islam. And, and everybody thinks they got the ultimate damn truth. Well, guess what? The white man has come together and said, you know what? The only thing we are concerned with is removing niggas off this planet. So the Protestant crackers, the Catholic crackers, the homo crackers, the damn Methodist crackers, the Baptist crackers, the cracker crackers have come together in unity to remove the black god and goddess off of this damn planet. This is what their so-called utopia is about. It ain't about you. You ain't a part of that world. They don't even see your black ass face in 20 years from now. But we still sitting around, twiddling our damn thumbs on PlayStation all goddamn day. And wonder why the black race cannot get free. Black power. If I had a torpedo bomb, I would drop it right now. There'd be no life left. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well, I want to back up a little bit uh, and allow people to hear your background. I know you, you put out your resume. We we we, we know the real people who've been uh, in this thing know the, the extent that you went and a lot of things that you have undergone have been subjected to. But uh, just give the people. Uh, a, a little background on you so so they can do the knowledge for Yes, sir. Ah, uh, man, where do I start? Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Well, I'm a student of the Honorable Dr. Khalid Abdul-Muhammad, direct student, taught and trained by the man himself. My foundation family is the Nation of Islam. Uh, I served under the teachings of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. I still live the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey. And with those two great men steering my brain every single day, hey, man, I'm going to fight this peck of wood with everything I got in me. But I'm the same man that some of you may have saw on National Geographic documentary, documentary about the new Black Panther Party. I'm the same man <laughs> that uh, the United States government and president, for that matter, have come out to speak on behalf of. Now, let me make this clear. Let me make this very clear before you all start thinking crazy as hell. I am not 
in alliance with Barack Obama. I am not in alliance with the Attorney General, ex-Attorney General Eric Holder. And I know it's a whole lot of rumors about King Samir and how the president came to speak out on my behalf because of the Philadelphia voting place incident. Well, I'm that same man. I don't give a damn about white supremacy. I don't give a damn about Barack Obama. I don't give a goddamn about Eric Holder. I don't give a damn about the United States Senate who ousted me or banished me as a United States citizen 98 to 2 on the Senate floor. And the only other person in the United States of America that that has happened to, which was 99 to 1, was my leader and teacher, Khalid Abdul Muhammad. So I'm honored by that, that the United States government spoke out against me 98 to 2. And them two Negroes must have been in a damn bathroom jerking each other off some goddamn where. But I'm the same man who will fight to the last drop of my blood for the black race. I have no remorse for white people. I have no goddamn respect for white people. I have no love, no honor, no consideration, no nothing about white people. And if you never heard me say it, now you're going to get it straight from the king's mouth. I hate the white man with a great and perfect hatred. I hate every iota of a goddamn cracker. Don't care the little motherfucker was born three seconds ago. I'm praying for its death. My history goes way black. I've been in this field of, of battle and revolutionary nationalism, pan-Africanism, for 30 years now, 30 long years, I've been in this struggle to wake our black butts up, man. I've seen so many people come. I've seen so many people go physically and mentally. I've seen death and constant death. I've been in battles that word is bond. I'm going to have to even tell you, I didn't even think I was going to make it out of. I've been in battles where I literally had to kiss my damn family, not knowing if I'm coming home that night. I've been in situations, man, where it's either do or die. And trust and believe. These teardrops ain't on my face for nothing. Hmm? And if y'all know where I'm going with that, then that's what it is. But I'm not going to sit up here and incriminate my damn self either. <laughs> but when the God told you crack a killer, hey, that black man ain't never lied to you. So... You got a lot of folks running around, oh, King Samir, just a bunch of talk. And most of these fools don't know a goddamn thing about me. 
Let me tell y'all, man. I didn't become who I am just by talking. Khalid Muhammad didn't move out just on no damn talk. And if you think he did, you have literally lost your African mind. Hold on one second, family. I have a brother here who I helped the other day who passed out, and now he's walking up to me, and he just gave me love. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. Sure. <laughs> um, all right, thank you. Yes, sir. All right. Love you, too. You all right? You looking better. See, family, this is the reality of our work in the streets. <laughs> wow, it just blew my mind. This is the reality of the work, though. Now, this elder just walked up to me, man, and just gave me love for saving his life the other day. This is what happens when you put the work in. This work is not just about individualism. It's not about self. It's not about self-grandizement because, again, like I said earlier, we don't get a damn thing for this work. <laughs> but bullets in jail time. That's right. We don't get nothing for this. You're lucky to get a thank you. You're lucky to get someone to walk up and say, damn, thank you, sir, for helping me. But this is the reality of the work we do, man. So I'm not a celebrity. And I have to make this very clear. <laughs> and I know a lot of people may see me as that, a revolutionary celebrity. I'm a revolutionary. Point blank, period. That's it. I'm a freedom fighter. I'm a black nationalist. We need people that ain't afraid to speak on what's going on. Say that again. Say that again. We need people that is not afraid to speak on what's going on. That's right. Thank you. You ever be on the phone and you hate yourself talk? You black in America. They're going to always be on your damn phone. They listen to you. <laughs> You're like, why you don't listen to me? I'm just telling the truth. There you go. We're going to build then. We're going to build then. Now, this is my next door neighbor. I just moved into a new, uh, into a new hood, family. Listen to me. And y'all getting it raw. <laughs> y'all getting it real talk. Now, I just moved into a new hood, and this is my neighbor I was just building with. Never really had a conversation with the man, but he's hearing me talk to y'all. And look what he opened up with. This is the reality of the work, family. So you're getting it firsthand. <laughs> I do this, man. This is what I do. This is all I know. This is what I've given my life for. This is what I lost my goddamn wife and family for. Hmm. I'm going to tell you some real talk. This is what I lost my goddamn $28 an hour job for. Huh? I don't think y'all heard me. $28 a goddamn hour. <laughs> 
this is what I lost it for. The freedom of the black race. So these are just some of the sacrifices that I've made for our liberation. This ain't no joke. This is no joke. But now you're hearing it, hearing it for yourself, the reality of the works that we do. So it's time to get up off your ass and get out here and save our family. Get out here and teach these babies something. Damn it, open up some survival classes in your hood, just teaching the babies. If you're a martial artist, if you know self-defense, you should be giving some free goddamn self-defense classes to the children in your community. Stop the bullshit. Everything ain't about a damn dollar all the time. You know we ain't got no damn money anyway. So, so let's just stop the madness. But we need to set up vital, viable programs in our communities to help our people get out of this damn wretched condition that we're in. And it seems like we may stay in until we get our acts together. So I'm just me. <laughs> I'm just a hard body revolutionary that don't give a fuck about white people. Not one of them. I thought I was the only one. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought I was the only one. Man, that's good. Not now, Dave. No, sir. <laughs> but I love my people enough to even give my life for. And I know to a lot of us, my life is meaningless. Because, again, I'm just a small molecule, family, in a big universe. All I have to offer is my life and my sacrifice to this struggle. Only thing I live for, breathe for, is to see that glorious day where I see crackers' blood just flowing down the streets of every black neighborhood in white America. And that's my reality. That is my truth. That is my religion. White bloodshed for black salvation. Power. Black power on that. I say on that. A lot of white power on that. Whatever I need to say. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever I need to say. Yes, sir. I want to digress because I know you was walking, training, and taught by Dr. Collins. <laughs> Give us a, like a brief synopsis of what that was like, if you could put it in words some kind of way, because a lot of us missed it. You know, uh, I was there at the Million Youth March, but that was the only time I got to see him in the public view, and I got shipped away to Germany, and when I was in Germany, uh, I heard he was uh, that he had made the transition. That's the realm of the ancestors. So. But for the family who may not even be acquainted, uh, only through video or YouTube, or if they 
was fortunate enough to have some of his uh, work in their libraries. Could you just, you know, speak on some of your experiences with him and, and what, what that was like? Yes, sir. Let me say this before I really go into it. This is always a very always a very touchy topic for me. Always. Because it's like talking about the relationship you may have had with your father. Khalid Muhammad was no ordinary man. Khalid Muhammad was the living manifestation of all of our ancestral warriors wrapped up into one. Khalid Muhammad was the epitome of black manhood, the epitome of black nationalism, and the epitome of revolutionary guerrilla warfare. This man, there's not enough attributes, there's not enough accolades, there's not enough grace that we can put on this man. It's not enough. With all of the words in the world put together, it's not enough for Khalid Muhammad. This man was a walking, talking, living, breathing warrior. Not just out in the field, but even on our down on our downtime, he still oozed revolution. I watched this man cry at night. And a lot of y'all don't know nothing about this. But I'm giving you real history. I've literally watched this man cry at night. Because he loved us so much. And all he wanted was for us to unite as a people. Whether you was a Moor, whether you was a Christian, whether you was a Hebrew, whatever the hell you were. All he wanted was for us to unite. He became hurt because the nation of Islam was his life. This is what made him the man that he was. This is the same man who started the nation of Islam 
I'm just going to be real, and I'm going to say it like the hell it should have been said a long damn time ago. This is the man who helped Louis Farrakhan reestablish the nation of Islam. Rolled with Farrakhan everywhere he went with a black Bible and a black 38 pistol in the Bible. Huh? Y'all ain't hear me. <laughs> when this man opened up his Bible, <laughs> there was a black 38 revolver. This man gave his life, family. He gave his life. He gave everything he had in his being for us to not only get free, but to be free. This man never compromised. Never. Never. I don't give a damn what you hear these faggot niggas talking about on YouTube and all this crazy shit. This man never compromised with our open enemy. And if anything, he would tell you, pick your dancing partner. Because we going to boogie tonight. Huh? I remember at the International Embassy in Washington, D.C., one of my greatest moments. When we battled the crackers in front of the International uh, Jewish Embassy, and I'm going to tell you straight up, we kicked their asses. Khalid Muhammad was no fucking punk. We kicked them crackers' asses. And he told us all, pick your dancing partner. You see this pot belly peck of wood over here? You get on him. You see that cracker standing over there? If he even blink his goddamn eyes wrong, send his ass to the cemetery. Huh? This the kind of man who moved on his enemy. Wasn't about just a whole bunch of rhetoric? Because he sound good? This man battled the enemy. And most of these coon-ass, poke-ass, dick-sucking leaders today, they want to sit down with the white man and have a little Heineken and a ham sandwich. Y'all heard what I said. I don't spare these faggots nothing. I call it like I see it because my leader taught me to do that. I don't compromise with my enemy because my leader ain't compromised. I'm ready to go to war with these bastards. But unfortunately, we got to go to war with some of our own damn people first. I remember riding in many vehicles with this man. And just listening as a humble student, 
just listening to his wisdom on many different degrees. But as I'm listening, family, I'm learning how to move, how to operate, how to make and build alliances. And if y'all hear that background noise, I'm, I'm outside, I'm in the wind, I'm in the field. My home. I remember many a times, <laughs> Doc was a man who never really waited on anybody. If you was late, your ass was left. But I remember on a few occasions when I was living in Philly, you know, I could be going on about my daily routine, walking down the street, and guess who the hell I see walking down the damn street? <laughs> Khalid Muhammad. By himself. This is how he moved. In any city, he didn't give a damn. Because he knew by the time he got done in that city, he had already raised the army. Remember one time I had, I had to perform in Fairmount Park. At, uh, they used to have this thing called Black Family Day in Philly. And I was one of the top performers to perform that day. And I'm standing with some comrades. We building. And my spirit was just telling me, turn around, King. Turn around. And I turned around, and I see this shiny-ass bald head with this dashiki and this walk that was just Never forget it. And I'm looking, and I'm looking, and the closer this black man got, I'm like, wait a minute. I know damn well this ain't Doc walking by himself at Black Family Day. Hold up. Well, let's just say King Samir didn't perform that day. Because I took it upon myself to secure my leader. So everywhere he moved that day, that's where I went. And he ended up speaking at the Church of the Advocate that night on 18th and Diamond Street in Philadelphia. And I was right by his side. This is the kind of relationship we had as teacher and student. I dropped everything Anytime he came to Philly or Jersey, nothing else mattered to me but the security of his life and the security for his life. So much other stuff we've gone through, but I'm not even going to get into it. But he's a man like no other family. And every single day, every day, I give all praises due to Khalid Abdul Muhammad for making me the man that I am today to be able to serve you as a humble servant to you 
but ready for war for you. Power. Power. Black power. You just tuned in. You tuned in to do the knowledge radio talk shoot version. We're all live with the general. The damn, the, the, the goddamn cracker killer himself, King Shamir. And uh, we're going in. Uh, I'm going to bring on the second caller, uh, Minister Mikhail Muhammad out of Florida. Peace and black power to you, Minister Muhammad. Black power. Black power, more black power. Greetings to the black nation. Greetings. Uh, I want to appreciate only this opportunity to thank you uh, immensely for taking time out of your busy schedule to put some things on the record for the family and, and to help us gain more awareness in uh, in these days and times. Uh, as women. Uh, take opportunity for you to acquaint the people uh, with who you are and uh, acquaint them with the work that you're doing down there in Florida. Well, uh, it's an honor to come on your show, brother. And, uh, I give black power to our General King Samir. And um, I'm based out of Jacksonville, started the first chapter in the state of Florida in the history of the New Black Panther Party, uh, either the original party that had never been a Panther chapter or uh, formation prior to the year 2005 when I became a registered minister from the Dr. Malik Zulu-Shabazz attorney and our former national chairman. And so uh, my work has consisted of dealing with the black youth, you know, dealing with police brutality, dealing with injustice on a consistent and daily basis wherever it concerns black people. I myself, like Brother King Samir, was a registered follow-up under the Nation of Islam, up under the leadership and tutorship of uh, Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and I myself became acquainted with the late but great Honorable Dr. Khalid Abdul Muhammad after I became a registered follower of the Nation of Islam in the year 1991. And um, after hearing the great doctor, I was compelled to become a community activist. And as time went by, I recognized that there was another place for me that I had to join forces with. And so during my time up under the Nation of Islam, I would have opportunities to do security for the great Dr. Khalid Abdul-Muhammad. And his work inspired me to not just be a spiritual man, but be a community man to concern myself with the needs of black people in Jacksonville and throughout the United States of America, even throughout the world, wherever you find black people at. And so in the year 2005, I was blessed to hear a lecture by the Honorable Malik Shabazz. He was speaking in Chicago at Savior's Day, and he gave a speech, and parts of his speech was relating to everybody 
can't be in the nation of Islam, but there are other movements. And having gone through 14 years up under the leadership of Minister Farrakhan, I was compelled to go out and search for a movement that was more accessible to what I was doing. And so after hearing the words of Dr. Malik Zulu-Shabazz, I became compelled to join the New Black Panther Party, and I started the process of the spiritual and to the revolutionary concepts of what Dr. Khalid Abdul-Muhammad taught. And slowly but surely, I started to act, you know, on the behalf of black people in the city of Jacksonville and throughout the state of Florida, even some parts of the South. And um, in the year 2006, I started getting involved with, with police brutality. It's a touchy subject for many black leaders because they don't want to rattle the cage and they don't want to shake any leaves off the trees. And I knew that I would be embroiled in controversy, but I've never been one afraid to stand up and man up when so many others are cowards today, as the brother has said, speaking earlier. There are many black leaders who are willing to sit down and capitulate and compromise with the representatives of our oppressors, but yet the masses of black people are suffering on a daily and consistent basis. And so when I took a strong position against the police department, there was much opposition from the traditional black leadership. There was much opposition from those who say there are pastors and those who say there are emails. But many know I have stood the test of time, and I have never bowed nor have I backed down. Even though it has cost me much in dealing with family, dealing with relationships, but at the end of the day, I have many examples in front of me, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad being one of them, Minister Farrakhan, and last but never least, the great but late Dr. Khalid Abdul Muhammad. I was blessed on several occasions to do security to drive his car whenever he came down here at the bottom, which we call Florida. And I would learn and I would listen just as much because being in the presence of a great general like that, you must give him your ear. And I would do that every time. And I was blessed on four or five different occasions. And I remember one occasion where he was here in Jacksonville traveling through Gainesville all the way to Sarasota. This was a time when Minister Farrakhan made the decision to suspend our great doctor from his post of national assistant and spokesman for the Nation of Islam. And it was a very difficult time and period for myself as well as many others. Me being a new brother in the ranks, only been around a couple of years, you know, I just follow instructions. I just had to hear and obey because I wasn't mature enough to understand what was going on at that time, but I was very pained. And so after the doctor had an assassination attempt on him, I continued to follow his work. And before long, in the 
early part of 2000, the great doctor made a transition. And from that moment on, I started searching and seeking how to become a member of the new Black Panther Party. I wasn't very successful until the year 2005, and that's when I made connection with some brothers out of Atlanta, and I came on and started the new chapter in Jacksonville. Uh, For those who are not familiar with me, I was a minister that was appointed by Dr. Malik Zulu Shabazz that announced the $10,000 reward for the capture and arrest of the faggot George Killerman Zimmerman for the murder and assassination of our beloved Trayvon Martin. It was our group out of Jacksonville and another chapter out of Tampa that investigated the case of Zimmerman before it became a national case, uh, international case. At the time, there were no L. Sharptons and Jesse Jackson and all these other busters. It was just a handful of new Black Panther Party members going through certain communities, talking with our people, trying to get information on what had exactly taken place with our baby son, Trayvon, because he's our son, because it could have been any one of our children. And it was me that made the statement that had it been my child, my child would have looked like Trayvon. And naturally, the President Obama took my words, and they ran with it, of course. And so after we investigated for three weeks, my chief of staff out of Jacksonville, his name is Kojo Kerala, who has stood by me for eight years when many have walked away because the heat got too hot. He has the heart of a lion and the body of a kitten, but he's a warrior even still. He said, brother, we got to go forward and onward. We got to stand strong. And so we went back to Stanford time and time again with a handful of pastors. And after maybe three weeks, our national chairman at the time, Dr. Malik Zuli Shabazz, gave the green light. He gave the command to go public and do a press conference. And at that press conference, I called out the president, Obama. I called out the Stanford Police Department. And I said, what we came for is justice. We didn't come for anything else. And later that day, they had a major rally in the park in Stanford where there were maybe thirty to 40,000 people at the park. And we encountered one L. Shopton, old buck-dancing, buck-licking, boot-licking L. Shopton. <laughs> and he said, we want you to come up on stage, but I wasn't interested. I was just wanting to be amongst the people, so I accepted and came up on stage. And later, they came to me and said, we want you to speak. But somehow it got back to Trayvon's parents, and naturally they declined the opportunity for me to speak. And so when I got the microphone, they turned off the sound system. Mm. And so, even still, that I did not speak in front of the thirty to 40,000, the words of the new Black Panther Party on that day were the loudest, the strongest, and made the greatest impact. And I knew that my spiritual and revolutionary 
father, Khaled Abdul Muhammad, he was working through me, speaking through me. I had never imagined being in that position because I'm not one to seek fame nor attention. I just believe in carrying out the functions of my duties. And at the time, I was the Southern Regional Minister for the New Black Panther Party based out of Jacksonville. And so after that historic day, the heat came down heavier than one can even imagine. And half of the problem is that our people are so cowardly, a lot of them, not all, but I must put those in a proper perspective. Many denounce me, condemn me, and even those among our people call for my arrest. The intensity of the FBI homeland security was never at a greater intense pressure. And they turned up the pressure against our organization like never before, and definitely myself. But I stood the test of time, even though I've been arrested falsely charged with false imprisonment against my ex-wife. And as we speak, we're in negotiations for a settlement for false arrest and malicious prosecution from the city of Jacksonville. During that time, during the week leading up to jury selection, 10 no-good, wicked, white, crooked, criminal, killer cops showed up at my home and I answered the door, and they asked me, could they speak with me? And I asked them, concerning what? And they said, well, we got a phone call that your wife's life might be in danger, and you won't allow her to leave the home. And I said, well, I'll step out the door. By that time, there were 40 or 50 witnesses that were observing the conversation between me and these killer cracker cops. And so I allowed them to enter, and we went to the bedroom, and my ex-wife was laying on the bed with a remote control in her hand, and I say this to the audience. How can a woman be a false imprisonment victim when she has a remote control, no handcuffs, no weapons to prevent her from leaving the home? She could have kicked the screen out and crawled out of the window if she so desired to leave the home if she was in fear of her life. So they asked her to escort them to the squad car. Unknown to me, her friend was parked in the car with tenant winners across the street. This was a woman she was friends with, a black Afro-Latino woman who drove from Miami, Florida to Jacksonville, which is about five and a half hours, 500 miles to say the least. And this woman compelled my ex-wife, to go along with the story because I refused to allow her to go to Miami and work under the table without a green card, knowing her green card had expired and that if she was caught, they would arrest her and deport her back to her country. She was a black woman, you know, from South America. And that was my position. And so they compelled her to go along with the story that I dragged her five miles from downtown Jacksonville. I slapped her and raped her on the bed two days prior to this incident. And after a few minutes of interrogating her and coercing her, they came back to the front porch where I was surrounded by the other five 
Pepperwood Cracker. And they asked me to open the door to allow them to go in and get her identification and her luggage, and I told them, hell no. I say, sir, according to your law, you don't have a search warrant. You don't have proper cause. You don't have a arrest warrant. So, no, sir, I will not allow you to come in my goddamn home. And they warned me three times, and through three times, I declined. They put the handcuffs on me, took me to jail, charged me with resisting arrest and file violence. The next day, added false imprisonment, and I sat in the county jail for 45 days until the day before Zimmerman was acquitted, and then I understood that my arrest was bigger than the local police department, and that later we found out that there was a executive order to arrest myself as well as Minister King Samir and other leaders in the New Black Council Party. I understood it was bigger than my wife and bigger than myself. But I say this to you all, I've never turned back. I'm committed to the liberation and salvation of black people onward until my death. I can never retire from this movement because there's no retiring me. As we speak, I'm organizing a Stop the Violence Summit between so-called gang members amongst the black community within a couple of weeks, and so I'm still on the front line working like I have always committed to the struggle for freedom and independence. But I say this to our people, this man is not going to give us any freedom. He's not going to give us any justice. It must be taken. Some will have to share blood, and even some will have to lose their life. But at the end of the day, if we get freedom for our children and our grandchildren, so goddamn it. And so, brother, I thank you to share a few words on behalf of the New Black Panther Party to our brothers and sisters, and I hope that I said something that would inspire them. Thank you. Black Power. Black Power. Thank you, sir. Thank you for uh, your time. I want to go back to Brother King Samir and allow uh, the opportunity for the people who were called in to give quest- ask questions and, and give comments. Are you still there? Yes, sir. I'm here, but I, I want to say very quickly, very quickly, I want to say to Brother Mikhail Muhammad, good hearing your voice, black man. It's good to see you're still holding the line. And hold the line even harder, soldier. And it was an honor and a pleasure to soldier with you. And even though we may have had some little discrepancies here and there, you're still my comrade. Yes, sir, brother. And I still got culture, supreme love for you. <laughs> and we're going to kill this cracker together. Yes, sir. Black power. <laughs> Black power. <laughs> Only on Do the Knowledge Radio. 
the, the two war generals, <laughs> two warlords banging on this beast, banging on the system, then seeing the the the, the root and tyranny and oppression of this beast for everybody who want to be singing Kumbaya and can't we all just get along and taking pictures with crackers and hugging them and holding hands with the beast and all of that Man. shit. Just to know now the real deal of what was going on, especially surrounding the Trayvon Martin case and, and what you brought up, brother, uh, about the inner workings because we didn't get any of that press. But I know that the world wouldn't have known about the brothers uh passion had it not been for the black media that was covering the story and made sure and pushed these damn beasts to even put it on the street. So salute black power for that. I'm gonna go to someone calling from New York. New York, your your line is uh, unmuted. You have a question or a comment? The caller, caller from New York City or the New York area code. You have a question or a comment for the panel? The caller, caller from Missouri. Missouri, you're on the line. Your line is unmuted if you have a question or a comment for the panel. I have no question. This is Renee. Um, I just wanted to um, direct this to all of you guys, um, especially to um, Brother McHale, Minister McHale. Um, I am encouraged. I hope y'all can hear me. I am encouraged to see that we have a movement that's actually... Hello? Can y'all hear me? You good, sister? Okay. That that is actually doing something for our people, and we're not sitting behind lines anymore. We're actually out in front. There is a time to retreat, but that retreatment is for preparation. And um, I am encouraged, and I just want to say thank you all for stepping up to the plate and actually doing what um, is a, in our God-given right to do, because where there is injustice, you have the divine that comes into play. And all of us that is on this um, phone line right now is enlightened to do such. This is our duty. And I just want to um, take my hat off and salute all of you. That's it. Thank you, sister. It's definitely greatly appreciated. This is King Samir speaking. And um, we're going to hold the line, Queen, because at the end of the night, sister, you know, we're going to make you proud of the black man again. <laughs> That's our job. That's damn right. That's we're going to make right. you proud of the black man again, sister. Trust and believe. <laughs> Where... That's how I do that. And, 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 and real talk, sis, that's the least we can do for the black woman is to make our sisters proud of the black man again. Word. And proud of themselves. That's right. Please add that one. And, and <laughs> proud of themselves. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Mr. McKell, you wanted to, uh, did you want to address the sister? No, brother, I'm just listening and, and 
Hello? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. I think yeah, we I think he got, I think he got bumped off. Samir, you still on? Yes, sir. I'm here. Uh, let me go to the Texas area code. Call him. Call him with the Texas area code. Peace and black power, family. Can you hear me? Yeah, peace, sir. Peace, peace, peace. All right. You know what I'm saying? My name is just call me Wallace. I got a lot of titles, so, you know, I just go by Wallace. I think it's important, um, you know, that my boy Nasher Born, this is what he's doing, and, and it's beautiful. Uh, the thing that I want to talk about is the fact of how it's 2015 and we still arguing about uh, what to call God and for a lot of people that's wanting to get into the struggle, you know, that's fractionalizing our community and alienating soldiers because in the, in the military mindset, it is so many, every, everybody like us is a soldier, but everybody is not in the infantry. And so the thing that I think that needs to happen for, especially for uh, the new Black Panther Party to grow, is to reach out to these soldiers who either being kicked out of the military, you know, via dishonorably discharged, or they just ETSing out because the organizations that are snatching them up right now is these Black One Percent biker clubs. And so, you know, you have a you have a unique movement of brothers who have all of these different types of skills that you're going to need and the inner workings of, of how the beast run on the inside. And, you know, these dudes have access to not only uh, weapons and resources, but the training and the uh, medical type of stuff, you know, that's, that's actually uh, useful in the streets. And, and that's all I got to say. Yes, sir. Hey, black man. That is a very, very, very profound point. Very profound. And I'm glad you went there. <laughs> because as I spoke about earlier, the division of us is what's killing us. It's killing us. Now, well, let, me add, let me add on with this, comrade. You're in Texas, correct? Nah, I'm on the West Coast. I'm, I'm, I'm on the West Coast. I just got a Texas area code. Okay, okay. Well, let me drop this jewel on you. I, first and foremost, family, I want everyone to know, I am no longer a member of the new Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. I cannot speak on behalf of the new Black Panther Party but I can only speak from my experiences with the new Black Panther Party, if y'all feel what I'm saying. But we have constantly reached out consistently to those specific soldiers that you're speaking of, sir, in Texas. We have an organization that we're strong, staunch allies with. And a lot of these members are members of the New Black Panther Party and different other revolutionary nationalist organizations called the Huey P. Newton Gun Club. That's right. 
okay? The Huey P. Newton Gun Club. Now, I'm not going to get into detail <laughs> about how they get down. But just know, those soldiers, sir, that you're speaking of, that you know, you may know personally, put them in contact with the Huey P. Newton Gun Club. Because we need brothers and sisters who is in the white man's military to get their black asses in the hood and teach our people how to survive. That's why it's like dog. That's word. Real talk. I don't give a damn what your ideology is. At the end of the night, family, we have to survive. And not only just survive, let's not get in the habit of just survival. That's right. God damn it, we got to progress in our survival. We have to live. We have to live. Period. Exactly. So get so send them brothers and sisters that any of you know who came out of the white man's military, who had these skills. We need to start utilizing these people just as the spook who sat by the door. Ah, uh, that's real. Huh? <laughs> that's real. <laughs> let's, I'm, let's, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, if, if this is going to be some real talk, goddamn, it's going to be some real talk. Okay? I was watching that movie not too long ago, and people need and to be up in And what did he do, sis? And what did he do? He went Boy, into the crackers and went into the crackers lines yep. and then ended up killing them motherfuckers. He turned it out. Huh? So what makes out. us what makes us any different that we can't do that today? And that's just a damn movie. Now let uh, me tell y'all. Let me tell y'all this. Let me give you a piece of history. While we're talking about the spook who sat by the door. Sam Greenlee, the man who made the movie. That's right. Stayed in my home. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sam wow. stayed in my home. And y'all, I'm going to tell y'all what he said to me. He said the movie was not based on him personally. It was a general idea. Mm. Almost like bringing a dream into reality, but putting it in script. Wow. This came out of his mouth directly to me. Wow. It had nothing to do with him personally because now now I got to tell y'all something. <laughs> may, may the man rest in war and rest in a huru. But Sam Greenlee himself was not a nationalist. Mm. I know that's a hard pill to swallow. But he wasn't a nationalist. He was conscious, but he was not a nationalist. But the man brought forth something, as the sister just said, she watched it the other day. Hell, it's one of my top five favorite movies (laughs) that I can watch at any given moment and still learn something different every time I watch it. But you know what this movie really teaches all of us? The necessity of unity. 
the necessity of real black empowerment. So we can't just make excuses for this cracker anymore. All we have to do is organize, mobilize, and handle our handle. We don't have time to be sitting up in a damn meeting five, six, seven, eight hours and still end up at the same point at the end of the damn night. Damn it, after your meeting, it should be some action. That's right. That's See, right. Because you're conscious don't mean you're active. Your consciousness is not relegated until you put it to work. So all these Negroes running around here talking about they conscious, but ain't doing shit for our people. Yeah, you just you just know a little something. That's all. You don't become conscious until you get your ass out in the street and do something for our people. But a lot that's of just like, that's just like the old saying, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. Well, I beg to differ. Because if you're not activating off of that knowledge, there is no power to that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Your knowledge is just stuck in a damn book somewhere. That's just like me reading Message to the Black Man and still being a damn coon today. Wow. <laughs> huh? Real talk. That's just like me reading Destruction of, 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 of Black Civilization and still sleeping with Penelope. Coon, 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 coon. Huh? Real talk, man. So you're not conscious until you activate that consciousness. You ain't got no knowledge until you put that knowledge into its proper perspective, which will now born your circumference and power. Mm, 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 mm. Wow. Mm. So we got to start reaching out to our people, man. That's so what they in the church? So what? God damn it, we got to go where our people are. This is the teaching of Khalid Muhammad. Go where the people at and save their asses. Yeah, that's right. Don't talk shit about the church, and you ain't doing a damn thing as a nationalist. But sitting on Facebook, mouth Putin. <laughs> we got to go to the church and get our people, man. Yes, sir. We got military men and women who know how to take their goddamn M16s apart blindfolded in the church. So now what, because they worship Jesus, you don't want to work with them? You don't want to get free? You don't want to kill no pecker woods side by side with them? God damn it, we'll never be free with that kind of thinking. I don't give a damn if you worship Arabs. So what? Can you help me help our people at the end of the night? Can you help me get out here and feed and clothe and educate our people? We'll worry about all that other shit later. Damn it, let's kill the white man first. Second and third. Fourth and this. <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's handle business first. Then we deal with family problems as family. 
keep the goddamn right. cracker out of our business. And a lot of us talk too damn much. This is why the white man is able to calculate our movements. We in a damn rally and the police leading the fucking rally. Hmm. But your rally is against police brutality. Are you serious? <laughs> Look at how we think. We let the same damn bastard who shot our brother yesterday drive in his car leading the march. That's right, teach. That's hypocritical as hell. And it's nothing worse than a damn hypocrite. Mm. So not only are you a hypocrite to yourself, you're a hypocrite to this nation. Yeah. You're a hypocrite to the movement. Wherever the hell you at. <laughs> so we got to get out here, family, strap up our boots a little tighter. Because we got a hell of a lot more walking to do to get our people, man. Mm. Next call. <laughs> Get the last caller in. Lay out. Yes, sir. Peace, peace, Black Power Chief family. Oh, you got a question or comment for us? Or you want to put something on the record for the family? Okay, I'm just listening, just listening. Trying to gain knowledge. That's it, brother. All right. Hello. Well, uh, King Samir, uh, Minister McHale, uh, if y'all have any upcoming projects, uh, in, uh, any any kind of lectures, any kind of things that you're working on, uh, could you use this last ten minutes to uh, put that out to the family? Yes, sir. Uh, well, right now, I'm just going to be real. <clears throat> when my name is mentioned, folks just have a tendency to piss their pants. <laughs> I'm just being real. Ahead, so brother. folks are scared to invite me anywhere to speak now. So I haven't really been hard on the lecture circuit like I used to be. But you know what? I had to look black at my timeline, and I had to look black at Dr. Khalid Muhammad's timeline, and guess what? The same exact thing happened to him. Right. The bolder and colder he got, the less folks wanted to deal with him. Yeah, you talked about that as a turning point in my life. You really went in on that. Exactly. Yes. And I'm I'm going through that right now. Let me tell y'all something. I've had eight assassination attempts on my life. Been poisoned three times. Been in jail. I can't. I've been man. I've been locked up more as a damn revolutionary than I was a drug dealer. Come on, teach, brother. Real talk. It's something about this work <laughs> that makes the white man cringe, brothers and sisters. The last attempt on my life was when I was coming back from Africa in 2013. Mm. 
These bastards had the whole maneuver set up. And guess what? King Samir walked right out of it. Like Pal. They was not expecting 300 Azania People's Liberation Army soldiers coming into the goddamn African airport with me, guns cocked, locked, and ready to blow every damn thing up in the goddamn place if anything happened to me. Like power. Mm. I'm telling you real talk. They was not expecting that. These bastards held me up off my flight, had my hotel room already locked and ready to go, all of that. That's an assassination attempt. And then it came out, I got the damn memo of these bastards actually had the assassination attempt for me from Africa. You will lose your life in this work. Yes, sir. So don't come in here being no punk ass. Because Khalid Muhammad don't raise no fairy tale revolutionaries. Real warriors don't wear thongs, homie. <laughs> we just don't get down like that. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, I'm going to college, stepping my game up, dealing with a lot of personal things in my own personal circumference, getting ready to go to tattoo school, just doing me. But I'm still figuring out how can I piss this bastard off every single day. The cracker never expected me to go to college. That's right. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I'm just being real. He never expected that. Y'all let this nigga in, in college? <laughs> Oh, hell no. You see, we got to fight our enemy family on all fronts. Yes, sir. All fronts. I don't give a damn if you're a farmer. Damn it. Create some vegetables where the cracker eats the vegetable and his teeth just fall the fuck out. (laughs) Huh? You got to be a revolutionary farmer. If you're going to be a rapper all your damn life, you got to be a revolutionary MC. Yes, sir. Huh? It's no longer about our own individual self, man. We got to build a nation, and we better hurry up. That's right. We better hurry up. But, family, we got a lot of work to do. We have a hell of a lot of work to do. So, again, I don't care what your ideology is. Help me help the people. One man can't do it alone. Khalid Muhammad couldn't do this by himself. Farrakhan can't do this by himself. Garvey, Honorable Elijah Muhammad, none of our leaders could have done it by themselves. If that's the case, goddamn, we'd have been free a long time ago. That's right. Teach, bro. Singing a damn song and a dance ain't going to get us free, man. We're going to have to shed some Peckerwood's blood. That, family, as Malcolm taught, is the only revolution. If revolution means complete, constructive change, we got a lot of work to do. But we got to shed some damn blood. You're not going to talk your way to freedom. 
That's right. I'm sorry. Right. You're not, you're not going to create no damn poem that's going to make everybody see overnight. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not dissing the poets, not dissing you at all. But damn, if poetry would have got us free, we would have been free a long damn time ago. That's right. That's right. Amiri Baraka would have had us free a long time ago. Huh? The, 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 last, the last poets would have had us free a long time ago. There you go. Muta Baruka and yeah. all of the greats. We'd have been free a long time ago. But let's get some real concrete work done. I was a member of the New Black Panther Party for almost 14 years. Quick years. And I have no regrets. I loved every damn minute of it. But it's time for me to grow and develop and move on. So now I'm the National Minister of Defense for the Black Riders Liberation Party, and I'm a four-star general in the Azanian People's Liberation Army in Johannesburg, South Africa. Go ahead, black man. Black man. We got to stop playing, man. We got to stop playing and get to work. Real revolutionary work. I love y'all, black power. Mr. McKell, you, you said you had a project coming up in a few weeks. Uh, we have to stop the violence between black youth so-called gangs coming up right. uh, the third September, third Saturday of September. Uh, we pushing hard and heavy. We've been reaching a lot of young brothers in the hood. We're getting a lot of positive responses. And so, you know, at the end of the day, it's about uniting these different things to come together, bro, so we can build and develop our own self-defense, brother. We got to have our own defense, man. You know, time out for the enemy to continue to run roughshod over the hood, and, and we don't have an answer, no response to him. We have to develop our own. As I speak to our people on a daily basis, I say we're never going to be treated right until we man up, step up, and defend what's in the best interest of black people. And like the mm-hmm. minister Chief Camille said, mm-hmm. we got to be about complete constructive change mm-hmm. because the time dictates such. And so as I speak to you, uh, picking up my efforts more and more, coalescing with the youth on a consistent basis, this week I got a meeting with 20 young men that got a lot of influence in certain areas of where I come from, and, and so I'm excited, um, recommitted. Uh, like the king said, there was an assassination attempt made on my life a few months ago. And so I understand when you step into this, it saved my life and my death. Oh, for the liberation and salvation of my people. That's right. That's right. That's right. So I understood right. when I came in, and I understand even more so after being around 10 years that when you take this stance and make this commitment and you say you for the people, you're going to suffer a whole lot of hurts and pains and, and losses of friendships and women who say they with you, but when the heat get hot, they bail out. We understand. Mm-hmm. I want to yeah. speak to the great King Samir. I love you. Love you people too, comrade. We comrades at the end of the day. Uh, I learned a lot from you. Uh, miss you. We got to reconnect, brother, because at the end of the day, it's going to take all black armies to free the black man and woman, brother. It's going to take all of us working together because we all got a job. We all got a part. Mm-hmm. 
So we got to be caught working. We can't be knocking one brother out the box. So I, I said to the king, as a reporter recently interviewed me, asked me about the king. I said, he's our brother. We love him, and he's a comrade, and we family. So what you do yes, one, you do the other. If you harm one, you harm all of us. We all one yes, in the sir. same. Black power. Black power. Uh, thank you, sir. I want to thank uh, both of the panelists for coming on, taking time out of their busy schedule to to put one more one more damn black boot, two more damn black boots on the cracker's neck. Uh, this is Duke Knowledge Radio. This is your host, Knowledge Born Allah. Tune in. Every Sunday, we will have Revolutionary Sunday, S-U-N Sunday. We're going to deal with these these issues that play the people. Check out the blog talk. We have a blog talk every Saturday. We just started last night. Uh, it's growing. We're advancing. Uh, we have a Revolutionary or Exodus Conference, November the 1st, 2015, here in Tacoma, Washington, and also in February, we have the Black Unity Conference, February 6th to February 7th. Uh, more info, more details, more opportunities to uh, build with the family and continue raising the consciousness and the vibration of our people to go to war with this goddamn beast. With that, I say peace to everyone. Black love and black power. Black power. Black power. Black love. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.